You're listening to Podcasting Made Simple, where we deliver weekly masterclass episodes that help podcast hosts and podcast guests elevate their podcasting game. I am your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Today's episode features the audio replay of the keynote presentation from the last PodPros quarterly event. To learn more about the keynote speaker that you're about to hear from, along with other helpful resources, including the video version of this episode, please visit podpros.com slash 210. And now please enjoy today's keynote episode. Pat, thank you so much for being here with Podcasting Made Simple and PodPros today. So excited to have you here with us, man. Dude, my pleasure, Alex. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. You know, I got to ask this. I'm a huge fan of Tron Legacy, and you've probably been asked this before. Do people ever talk to you? Like, do you like that movie or anything like that? Because every time I hear your name, all I can think about is that movie. So I'm just wondering, is that something that ever comes up for you? Yeah, right. Flynn's Arcade and all that stuff. Uh, It comes up often. And actually, we went to Disneyland once, and they had like a Tron sort of temporary setup, and it was like Flynn's Arcade set up right there. And so we took a whole bunch of pictures of the whole family, and we're like, yeah, this is cool. So yeah, it comes up every once in a while. That's pretty sweet, man. I love that. Cool. I have my last name, San Filippo, which in the United States means nothing. But the last 12 or 14 days, I've been in Italy. And there's like cities named San Filippo. So I'm like, wow, look at that. Uh, this was cool. like having a cool last name that people can spell and pronounce. So anyway, I just had to ask being a, a, Tron, a Tron fan. It's cool that you guys had that opportunity to, to do that. But anyway, man, before we get started today, I wanted to quickly just publicly say thank you. I first learned of you in 2018, which I know is like super late to the the Pat Flynn game, if you will. But um, I heard you speak at PodFest in Orlando. And I think it was in 2017 mm-hmm. or 18, not exactly in for the year. Yeah, yeah. And um, man, you just shared some wisdom that was a game changer for me as I was just starting to get into podcasting, like on a serious level that really helped me a lot. And I started following you from that day. And let's fast forward a couple of years. You'll have the book Superfans, which we'll talk about today. And that book has had such a profound influence and impact on my life and on my mm-hmm. business. A lot of what I do today is thanks to just your influence overall. So, man, thank you so, so much for just the way you've shown up in my life personally. Uh, thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, I got to clip that because I just, I, I never, I never uh, can just get over how, how far and wide this book has gone to help people. And it's just so incredible. And it just speaks to the power of the thing that we all have access to right now, which is the internet and putting yourself out there, creating content, the piece of cr- content you create today, whether it's a book or a podcast, could continue to help people for years and years and years. So I, I appreciate that quite a bit and um, just happy to be here to pass things forward to your audience. I love that, man. It's great to hear that even at your level, still having some humility in that because I always remind that the pod pros community that, hey, we never really know who we're impacting or how deep mm-hmm. or wide that that's actually going. So um, I love that I was able to share that with you today. And thank you for receiving that in a humble way and not being like, yeah, I know I'm a huge deal. Right. <laughs> so thanks for that, man. <laughs> I don't like people who are like that. So I don't want to be like that. And if anybody catches me being like that, uh, punch me in the face, please. Thank you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, man. So today I'm really excited to dive in this topic because again, we're going to cover the book super fans a little bit, but we're going to talk about it from the perspective of building a tribe of super fans for your podcast, or if you're a podcast guest, how you can then in turn make those super fans part of your business, part of who mm-hmm. you are. So this is either side of the mic that we're really going to focus on. And I, I want to just dive quickly into what you call, it, it's the hierarchy, like the pyramid of fandom is what yep. you call it. And it goes from casual to active to connected to super fans. And I want to walk through those four phases, but I really want to just give you the mic here to start off by talking about casual. And the reason for that is because I, I believe in podcasting, most people never get past this casual mark. They're not That's even true. sure what to do. We get stuck here. 
either as a guest or a host. We're just not really sure. I'm like, what do I do to build a tribe, a community, to build fans? But we get stuck in this casual mark. So I just want to pass the mic over to you and, and hear your wisdom on how to identify that they're in this phase and how to really break out of that. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the pyramid first, just overall, so we understand kind of where the casual fits in. And if you think of like a triangle, um, the largest part of the triangle is at the bottom. And this is where the largest portion of your audience exists. This is your casual audience, like you just talked about. And to define that, these are people who just discovered you, maybe through a search or somebody mentioned you. Um, they're just kind of looking for answers and they happen across your audio, uh, or they happen to be a listener of a podcast and then you're the guest and then they're hearing you for the first time. This is a casual audience member. They're not. They, they don't even know necessarily who you are or what you have to offer yet. And this is where most of our audience lives and like you said, where most of us kind of like stay. Um, but from there, our job is to convert them from a casual audience member to an active audience member. These are now people who are subscribed to your show or now subscribed to your email list or, or what have you, like all those different places. And that's really important because this is where a lot of the amazing things happen. Once people join your brand, they now might become a coaching client or a customer or uh, buy your product or, or any of that kind of stuff. Um, from there, though, that's, again, where most people stop. They're like, oh, they're, they're, they bought something, now it's the end. No, that's actually the beginning because now you can bring people into what's called a connected community, which is where magic happens because now you as the creator don't even have to be there for things to, to, to provide value to people. It's people providing value to each other. It's people identifying as a fan of yours but then at the top, the smallest portion, but the most powerful are the super fans. So for me, it's like the thesis of this book is essentially like we're all focusing so much on search engine optimization, bigger growth, more people in our audience. But what happens when you focus more of your time and effort on the audience that already exists, even if it's a smaller audience? Well, your audience will grow from the inside out because those people will become your marketing team. They're gonna talk about you. Word of mouth marketing, especially for podcasters, is so important. We don't have the benefit of an algorithm like TikTok or YouTube does to get our shows or our voice in front of other people. So we need to do certain things, which we're gonna talk about today, to have that super fans like uh, approach to how people talk about your brand. Because that's really what a brand is, how people talk about you when you're not there. And we want people to talk really highly of us. And because when, what happens is, like a person from the inside will be like, hey, you got to listen to Alex's show. Well, now because that friendship already exists between those two people, that new person's not coming in casual. They're already coming in active because somebody from the inside sort of invited them in. So that's kind of what we want to happen. But the casual audience, I mean, this is this is when a person hears us on our show or uh, for the first time or you're a guest on another show, um, they, they're just casual, right? They, they, there's no reason for them to continue to move forward with you or you kind of hope that they hear you five or six times in the future and then have the encouragement to go and sign up or to join you in some way, shape, or form. But we can do certain things. Like, for example, in the book, I talk about uh, the idea, my favorite one is the small, quick win. When you are there providing value and on your show, you're telling people something that they can do in five to 10 minutes and actually see a result from quickly, well, then they're immediately going to be coming in to want to see more, right? They're already activated from that point. So a small, quick win. There's actually a whole chapter in Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of uh, Habit, that's all about the power of the small, quick win. And a lot of us podcasters, we want to go big. We want to help our audience so grand, but we start so big so quickly that it almost seems either unbelievable or too hard or there's a big barrier. But what if we started small? If you want to change somebody's uh, life, start by changing their day first. So start small to go big. Another way to convert a casual audience member, again, somebody who just finds you to somebody who's now active, is to bring your personality into it a little bit. 
and this is really key because if you've ever been to an event, I know you have because we met at PodFest, but if you go to an event and you meet somebody for the first time, what, what are those conversations like? They're very surface level. They're very like, hey, where are you from? What do you do? What's the name of your podcast, et cetera, right? Very surface level. But it's when you find somebody who has the same you, maybe you went to the same school or maybe you, you both have the same hobby or you both have the kids of the same age. You're immediately like best friends even though you just met because you have that shared same experience. So this is why on a podcast and especially for podcasters, this is our huge advantage. We have a microphone where we have a little bit more time and grace to tell a story or to go deeper and to bring some personality and something that can relate to the audience that's listening and then in turn have them want to come and, and, and learn more. That's absolutely key because as soon as somebody can connect with you on that level, that they want more. And the biggest thing as a podcaster is to use your voice to not just tell the stories that relate, but to use the same language that they would relate to, right? In the book, I call it learning the lyrics that your target audience would respond to. So especially if you're a guest, if you're a guest, you better be doing some research on who that target audience is that you're about to sort of speak in front of. What language do they use to describe their problems? Because you could have the best solution in the world. If you're not talking the same language, you might as well not even exist, right? But it's, and the reason why I say learn the lyrics is it's because when you hear a song, you're responding not just because the chords are nice or the song's inspirational, but many times because the words that they're saying literally relate to what it is you're going through. That's why my wife fell in love with the Backstreet Boys because she heard a song that was going through her mind when she broke up with her boyfriend and it was called Quit Playing Games With My Heart, which is how a 15-year-old would talk back then, right? So anyway, those are a couple things that you can do to convert a casual audience member. The small quick wins, though, is huge. I mean, if you think of any good video game, what's the first level like? I mean, you're already at level experience two within five minutes and you can unlock new things and all of a sudden you're up for 48 hours straight. That's how we want people to consume our content. Yeah, I think back to Halo, the very first one, and you were in like a little chamber where it just asked you to like look up, look down. It was like a red dot that would turn green. I can remember it as a kid being like, I'm going to be good at this game, right? <laughs> like that, that little win, but uh, that's, that's a real throwback for some people there. Um, I want to dive into a couple of these a little bit more, um, and I'll, I'll kind of end with the, the quick win one because I think that's one I really want to have you hone in on. But one you just talked about was kind of, I think in the book you call it break the ice, which is where you got to get comfortable sharing who you are, sharing about yeah. yourself. And on either side of the mic, I find this to be a real challenge for people. We share who we want people to think we are or the experience that we will have, but not mm-hmm. necessarily where we are today with our current struggles or our current successes, no matter how big or small those are. And I think that the more transparent we can get on either side of the mic is going to really help us because people are connected and they're drawn to, is a better word, to other people that are going through things like them. So I think the best thing we can do is we have to just get comfortable with that, of being willing to share and so I wanted to kind of reinforce that a little bit, but but jumping over back to quick wins, can you give us an example of what one that would look like that is really, you've seen work really well? Yeah, I'll, I'll share one that worked really well on me, in fact. And this was, you know, related to blogs. This was before podcasts came a thing, but y- you'll get the gist once I share it. So I, when I was an architect, I followed all the personal finance blogs, right? There was like Get Rich Slowly and Simple Dollar with Trent and all these other people. And this was at a time I'm dating myself a little bit where you would wake up in the morning and check your RSS feed reader. That's how oh, yeah. you would consume your content back then. Oh, I remember that. I kind of yeah. missed it a little bit. I'll be real. Like Feedly okay. and like all those other things. Yeah. But there was one blog that I didn't subscribe to because I, I was a little taken aback from uh, his aggressiveness and just he was a little bit different than the others. Uh, it was Ramit Sethi's I Will Teach You To Be, to be Rich. He was uh, quite crass and just upfront with everything, which now looking back, I, did, I appreciate now, but back then it just wasn't my thing. But what got me over the edge to follow him and then become a super fan of his eventually 
was an article that he came out with that was, I can't remember the exact title, but it was essentially call your cable company, read this script and save 15% on your cable bill. And I was like, there's no way that that's that easy. And so I read the blog post because everybody else was talking about it and doing it. And I said, there's no way. So I take a 15 minute break during lunch and I go and I call my cable company. Ramit literally makes it easy for you. He says, here are the words that you say. If they ask you this question, say this thing. And I did that. And in 15 minutes, I saved like 20% of my cable bill. And so me being more financial based, I was like calculating how much savings that was for me over like 10 years. And it was thousands of dollars that he saved me in 15 minutes, right? So compare that to all these other blogs I was reading about 401ks and Roth IRAs and all these things where you put $25 into an account and then when you're 65, you can enjoy it. I was already seeing the fruit of what Ramit was teaching right then and there. And then I went, I went like, into the deep end on Oliver Mead's stuff. I ended up becoming a customer of his, spending thousands of dollars with him down the road. And it was all because he helped me get a quick win, something I could just do right then and there that was something that gave me something already. And so he's already provided value to me in a free manner. Now I'm gonna dive in because I'm like, well, if that was the free thing, like what is this paid stuff like? I mean, geez. So that that's an example of, of a small quick win. Um, and the cool thing about podcasting is you have your voice to tell that story about how to do that. Like I would imagine that that content would be even better in a, in a, in a voice format than like reading because you can actually like play a sample call, for example, on that or, or, or role play that call and, um, and, and have it achieve the same results. So like that's just an example. Yeah, that's, that's smart. I actually really like that. And what we're talking about here is the call to action. So as a podcast host, your show needs to have a call to action of where listeners can go. So I can go from that casual, my friend just told me about this to now I want to be like in this ecosystem. And if your podcast guest, same thing, like instead of saying, go buy my $15,000 coaching practice, give them an easy win, something they can do to, mm-hmm. to enter your ecosystem and say, wow, this person is legit, right? Like I want to do more with them now. Um, and Pat, for sake of time, we're going to move along here. But this is how, talking about how we get that casual listener to go to that active, that active audience. And I think it's just so important that we as podcasters, again, on either side of the mic, that we really get this and we begin doing this well, because I think this is the biggest downfall for, for many of us. We just never pass this. So it's so important we yeah. do that. Now, once we've gone from active, we want to go to that connected community. Can you talk a little bit about this, Pat? Yeah. So again, the connected community is where people, they're not just speaking to you and you're speaking to them. A lot of people think like, oh, I'm going to start a Facebook group and I'm just going to like talk to my audience. That's a community. It's a good start. But where community and the magic really happens is when people can find each other, right? They're not just talking to you, you're not just talking to them, but they're all talking to each other. It's the same as your baseball team hits a grand slam to win the game at the end and you're high-fiving people just because they're literally wearing the same colored baseball cap as you, right? And you're high-fiving and cheersing and hugging. Like that kind of stuff can happen even under your brand. So much to a point where they might even create a name for themselves, right? We know an entrepreneur podcaster named John Lee Dumas who has... Fire Nation, that's his audience and that's what like the name that they have. Like mine is Team Flynn and many others have, you don't have to be a celebrity or a musician in order to have, you know, a Taylor Swift-like following, to be honest. Um, Not necessarily in size, but in dedication to what it is that you're doing and support. So a couple ways, and and, and the really big thing here is we wanna have people feel like they belong, right? Just because you bring them there doesn't mean they're gonna feel like they belong there. So the story I like to tell is like when I was a kid, I was actually really, really short in high school. I was the shortest kid in my class, like not even five feet tall until my junior year of high school. Unfortunately, most of the friends that I had, which were in the marching band, because that's where all the other weirdos hung out, um, <laughs> they were really tall. Like in the trumpet section, which is where I was at, they, they were really tall. And we liked to hang out, but unfortunately, they, they were tall and they liked to play basketball. 
but they were my friends. So they invited me on the court to play with them during lunch and stuff. But I was always pick last. I never got past the ball. And so, of course, I never got a chance to shoot. I was the shortest. And, you know, why would people pick me? But it didn't make me feel good. Even though they were nice and invited me to play with them, was I actually really playing basketball with them? No. And a lot of us podcasters, we invite people into our brand in that way, but we never let them, we never give them the ball. We never pass to them. We never acknowledge them. And therefore, how would they even feel like they belong if that never happens? So a lot of the strategies I talk about in Superfans involve how to make people feel like they belong, right? So let's go over a couple of these. One of them is co-creation. How might you get your audience involved in helping to actually inform the future of the brand in some way? It doesn't have to be huge. Like, hey, help decide what's the next big product we're gonna promote. I mean, yeah, you can do that. But even little things like, hey, I'm coming out with a book. What do you think should be on the cover? Let me know. Or here are two different covers. Which one do you like better, everybody? Now you're getting people involved and you're also getting data at the same time. Another thing, I mean, there's a friend of mine, her name's Amy Porterfield. And at one point in time, back when Facebook groups were like, the or Facebook pages were the place to kind of bring your community. Now there's Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups. I prefer to bring a community over to more of a private place like circle.so, for example. And there's Mighty Networks and other places. Anyway, she had asked her audience, like she's one of the smartest marketers in the world. She asked her audience, hey, I'm starting a newsletter soon and I need some font help. Which of these four fonts for my newsletter do you like best? Do we really think she actually needed font help? No. Because in the end, it really doesn't even matter what font she chose for her newsletter head. What mattered, though, was two things. Number one, she was getting her audience involved, which was awesome. And then number two, very slyly, she was also letting people know that a newsletter was also coming in the future. So now she's like letting people know and getting them involved. And of course, when it comes out, they all want to see what the font she chose was, etc. So how might you get your audience involved is a great question to ask. And you don't have to do it in a big way. So that's number one, co-creation. A bit, big brands do this. Lego is probably the best example. They have a website called ideas.lego.com. You, Alex, me, anybody who likes Lego can create a Lego contraption of any kind. You put it up on ideas.lego.com. If the community votes, if there's over 1,000, or I think 10,000 actually, if 10,000 people thumb up that creation that you made, Lego will consider manufacturing that as an actual Lego product. So they are collecting ideas from the very customers that they have. And it makes the whole audience feel great. Another thing that, that you can do that Lego does very well, and again, you might not be a, a, a huge Lego fan um, to know this, but this happens. They put a spotlight on a lot of their community members who are building amazing things. They're master builders, as they call them. They have conventions. They, are, they become the celebrities at these Lego conventions, BrickCon, BrickFest, all these other places. And they, they want to support and award those top creators in their space. And we can be doing that in a similar way. If you own a podcast, you should absolutely not just think about having just celebrities on your podcast all the time. What if you highlighted your own community members? Maybe you pull one out, you interview them because they did something amazing. And what usually ends up happening during that time is two things. Number one, they're gonna talk very highly of you without you even asking, just like you did here at the beginning of this show. Thank you very much, by the way. But secondly, what's also gonna happen is everybody listening is gonna go, oh my gosh, they're just like me and look where they are now because of Pat's help. I should get involved with Pat's stuff. Actually, there was an episode, the most profitable podcast episode I ever recorded was, I think it was episode 275. I recorded a podcast episode, single podcast episode with three different guests, each about 15 minutes each. All three of these guests were students of one of my courses. And the cool thing was I chose them specifically because of the different objections that they had. So now... For example, Dr. B, this was a starting a podcast course. She was over 60 years old, deathly afraid of technology. That was her obstacle. 
But then she started her show. And I asked her, well, what has since happened now that you started your show? And she's so joyous about the fact that she's in 33 different countries. It's only been a month and she's now helping people with ADHD all around the world. And she was over 16. She, without even prompting, she just says, Pat, I couldn't have done it without you. You helped me understand that even at my old age of 65, I can start a podcast too. Her saying that is worth more than any copywriter I could pay for, right? To say that about my thing. And then a, a second person and then a third person who had different objectives. So I cover the whole gamut of who might want to potentially get into this course and the, and the objections that they had. So putting a spotlight on your audience is awesome. It also helps people, people feel like they can do it too because the person just like them was able to do it. In fact, when I look at my download numbers, you know, I've had people like Tim Ferriss on my show, Gary Vaynerchuk, huge names in the entrepreneurial space. The podcast episodes that have the most downloads on my show are not those big celebrities. It's literally episode 121 with Shane and Jocelyn Sams, who is a couple, a teacher, both teachers from Kentucky, who listened to my show once and started a million-dollar business as a result of that. And that was just them telling the story. Shane talks about him on a lawnmower listening to the podcast, stopping the podcast, and then going to Jocelyn. Jocelyn saying, you're absolutely crazy for thinking we can do this. And then now here they are with a multi-million-dollar company all tying back to where do they get that from? For me. And it makes me look better when I just put the spotlight on somebody else, not just myself. So doing that can be can be really great. Bringing people behind the scenes is something that we, all of us can do. If you're a guest even, just like tell us a little bit about the behind the scenes stuff that we can't really get anywhere else. It's like when you go into a beer factory tour or a chocolate factory tour, it's like, such a mesmerizing experience. Yes, you get to see the quality of the stuff that they're, that they're creating, but you also get to take home things that you then share with everybody else. Hey, did you know that such and such does it this way or that they do it this way? It's so cool. Some of the most popular Mr. Beast videos are not just Mr. Beast videos, but it's the people that he worked with to put on that thing, right? There was a production company that put on the Squid Games sort of video that Mr. Beast did on, on YouTube. And that video has millions of views talking about how they helped Mr. Beast recreate the Squid Games sets. And it was just so cool. So people love behind the scenes. And at any time, we can share what's going on in the background. And people just, I think we as humans are just very curious. So you can tap into that. And it makes those people in your community feel like they got something that other people who are just casual audience members aren't going to know, but we'll likely find out because one of those community members will tell them much like how anybody who is from California will tell their friend who's from out of state about the secret menu at In-N-Out. Man, this, I love these points here and getting people from this active audience member to actually being a connected community member is just such an important thing. I love the, the practical points that you gave here. And I think it's something that we all have to really focus on. I love the the repetitive thing I heard was letting other people more or less sing your praises instead of you always being like, you got to get in the community. You got to do it. Here's how I help this guy make this, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, letting them have a voice, you being human, treating them like humans and letting that just happen. A way that just worked out for me was I, I just went to Podcast Movement in Dallas and, and spoke at that event, but I didn't mention my, my mastermind that had just launched, um, Podmatch Elite. And instead of mentioning it all, I just brought members of it and I had, I must have had 20 different people walk up and be like, hey, so what's this Podmatch Elite thing? Mm-hmm. Like, I just heard Chris talking about it a lot. Or like, Josh was just like talking to someone else and they said they're both in this group. They're like, it's like exclusive. What, what is it, right? Instead of me from stage being like, everyone, here's what I'm doing, right? Instead, I just let them talk about how it's already impacted them and their business and things like that. And I think that that's a really valuable thing that all of us can do. At the end of the day, what we're talking about here is just treating a human being like a human being and elevating that voice. Like, we've been able to get ours elevated as well, it's sharing our stage, sharing our platform. Um, and I, I'm a community builder through and through. So I, I love this point. I could sit here all day and talk about this. Yeah, I think my dogs agree with you too. 
Yeah, I can hear that. That's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, you remember before COVID when like things like dogs and babies weren't acceptable in audio? Now it doesn't matter. So Dude, now it's like real. This is real life. It's real life, and I, I literally I love have no that. idea what they're barking at. So I'm sorry, but <laughs> you're good. I I uh, interviewed Jasmine Starr right after she had her kid, and she goes, "Listen, my baby's going to scream," and she's like, "And it's just going to happen." I was like, "It's cool. It's cool." And I actually got comments being like, "Oh, I love hearing the human element because in my podcast we had never done that before." So yeah, now I now I welcome it, but um. Anyway, moving on to the last point here, uh, going from this connected community to what we're all looking to do, which is create these, these super fans. Let's talk about how we're able to now convert these people that are in our community to become that super fan. And first off, I want to make sure I, I understand correctly, because in the book, you talk about how not everyone is going to be that super fan. It's, it's a small niche, and I'd love for you to speak on that first. Yeah, I mean, not everybody who follows your brand or even is a part of the community is going to be a super fan. And again, a super fan is that person who's going to go out of their way to make sure that you you get what you need or that they're going to, if you're speaking on stage at an event, for example, they're going to wait eight hours until they could talk to you later on and they're just, they just want a selfie kind of thing. Like those are the super fans. The biggest thing to realize is that the small group of people who do become super fans becomes such a powerful effort to help grow your brand from the inside. Those are the people who are going to be the first beta testers for your new course or membership or mastermind program, right? And now they're already there and they're they're wanting to make it uh, as great as possible. There is, okay, I got to go check. They're barking way more than usual. <laughs> do, do, Can yeah, I go check on them? Just, go oh. for it. Do your thing. Five hours later. All right, real life. Um, there was like a moving <laughs> truck out there, which is doing some stuff. So that's why. Um. The small group of people who do become your super fans become your go-to, right? When we launched our SPI Pro uh, community, our super fans were the first members in there to help test and break things. And obviously, okay, that things weren't perfect. And that's so, so uh, amazingly helpful. When I launched my books, the super fans are the ones to get first access to it. They're going to read it like overnight. And then they're going to tell me what they love and don't love about it um, because they're brutally honest and they all want to help support the business. The other thing about the Superfans is if you ever get into a situation where you need some help, I mean, now you have some insurance in your business, right? People who are going to be there to help make sure things are going to... Like I've had Superfans go out of their way to help me get in contact with the right person, to help me fix my website because it was hacked and like all that other stuff. So it, it's so key. And my favorite way to get Superfans is, first of all, some of the community members will just naturally become super fans because you've just they are in love with what you do and your work and, and your art and your craft and whatever it is some people naturally will just become super fans and the way that you would know that happens is you'll you'll start to know there's not like a there's not like a light switch that goes on or anything like that it's more like a wow this person is like in our community and he's helping people out we're not even asking him to do that like that's amazing. That that's a sign of a super fan, for example, who wants to help the other community members, uh, even without you asking. It's really important that you reach out to them and, and thank them, recognize them, promote them to moderator, for example, if they're in a Facebook group. Like that kind of thing goes a very very long way. Just some recognition is really all that's needed to help people become super fans who might be on the fence though or on the edge. I like to do this thing called the what's up. Like just reaching out to people in my audience who I know are somewhat active and just being like, hey, what, what's up. And this is an informal, not scheduled, just casual, hey, I see you. How are you doing? And my favorite way to do this, actually, I do this every Friday. I like, first of all, some things in business shouldn't be and are not scalable. Like, I've had some people take what I'm about to share with you and try to gamify it or scale it. And I'm like, at this level, at the superfans level, it has to be somewhat personal. It's okay that you can't automate this. And that's like, you just have to get over that. A lot of other stuff can be and should be automated. This part of it, don't worry about it. So what I do to try to actually just do more of it 
is every Friday, I go out on a one-hour walk with my pups, the two pups that you heard earlier, and I have two of them on a leash in one hand, and I have my phone in the other. And while I'm walking around, while they're doing their business, I'm doing my business. And what I'm doing is I'm going into Instagram. You can do this on any platform that has a direct message capability. I go into Instagram, and I'm walking my dogs, and for individuals who have recently commented on my latest posts, I'll reach out to them, send them a direct message with a video. And that video will simply say, hey, Alex, hey, I'm just out here walking my dog, and I just wanna say thank you for commenting on my last Instagram post and just for being a part of the community. I appreciate you so much. If there's anything uh, that you might need, let me know. Thanks. Five seconds, 10 seconds at max that it takes to send out a message. These messages blow people away. They have, like, some people will freak out because they have no expectation of this happening. And that's the key here. It's unexpected, there's no expectation. And then you do it, and then it blows their mind. And I can get through 60 to 80 in that 60-minute period, and it has like a 95% response rate of people just so grateful. And a lot of those people dive deeper into the brand. They'll notice that because they're not getting that kind of attention from anybody else. And it's, again, just a little bit of recognition, a little bit of making them feel like they belong, and just that little what's up makes them feel a long way because nobody else is giving that them that kind of attention. And it's funny because a lot of the responses would be like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe you spent the time to reach out to me. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I'm like, it took 10 seconds, but yeah, you're welcome. It goes a very long way. And I think we need more of that. And, and, and especially for podcasters, whether you are, like if I were a guest on another show, for example, here's what I would do. I think this would be really ninja. Hey, if you really enjoy this episode, reach out to me at Pat Flynn on Instagram or Twitter. I just I just love to say hi. And then that's a great call to action beyond like, you know, the better call to action, which would be to a lead magnet or something related to your business, right? But just like a for those people who you know were like warmed up and are like, wow, maybe, maybe could become super fans down the road. They'll reach out to you. And then you get reached out to, reply to them with a video. Again, it might just take 10 seconds. It's like, hey, thanks for listening to that episode with me and Alex. Like, that was really fun. And uh, I hope all is well. You know, I have a lot of stuff about podcasting and email marketing and stuff. If you ever need any of that, just let me know. I can point you in the right direction. <laughs> like, mind's blown. Like, all you gotta, you need a cleanup crew because all these minds are blown. So, um, that's what I would do. And I, and I think that would be really fun. It is fun. I mean, that's the coolest part about it. You're actually connecting with real people too. It's it's so fun. Um, it's kind of addicting actually once you start. Man, I'm a systems guy through and through, but something that I preach and everyone here who's listening to this or watching this has heard me say this before, do things that don't scale. That's how you keep the human element in what you do. And I'm a firm believer in sending videos. Uh, I, I use Loom to do that. Yeah, Loom's Works great. Just, uh, yeah, there's a bon, Bonjoro or something like that. Is another mm-hmm. like really popular one uh, that people use, but it makes it really simple where you just go directly through these social media apps, right? They all have it built in these days. And I, I think it's, it's so important. It takes almost no effort, but it's really something that shows people that you care. And I love the way that you talk about what you say, because I think that that's really strategic. And I'm looking at the shirt you're wearing right now, which says serve first. And you always talk about in that serving first. You're talking about, is there anything I can do to help? Respond if there's something that I can do. And I love that you say that, not just, hey, thanks so much out here to hang out with my dogs. Peace, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. hey, if there's something I can do, let me know. And I think that that really, at the end of the day, is what solidifies that person as a fan. Like if someone already gets that, they're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy, right? But it, once, it, once you say, hey, can I help? Then it's like, man, you show that you really are ser- showing up to serve first. And I believe that's such a great thing. And again, go back to the whole thing, this won't scale. I know that we all want to serve the masses, but at the end of the day, we have to do for one what we wish we could do for all. 
Mm. We have to be willing to say, you know what, this one person, I'm going to treat them the way I wish I could treat thousands of people. But today, I've got the capacity to help this one person. And when we do that, I find that that really makes, that makes a really big impact in someone's life, which in turn might snowball into many other lives. But uh, Pat, I really appreciate you sharing all this, man. This has been yeah, my an pleasure. absolute blast, man. Uh, I got to ask, uh, uh, you've already given us a lot of insight and things like that, but is there any final thought you'd like to share on this topic with the Pod Bros community today? Yeah, you know, especially when it comes to guest podcasting, and I think whether you have a podcast or not, you should be guest podcasting. It's the number one way to grow a show, in my opinion. You can't be afraid to get the no. And I think this is something that I've had to learn. I think people who've had formal sales training back in the day, this is what they're really good at because they've trained themselves to be okay getting the no. But you you gotta get through the no's to get to the yeses. And those yeses can lead to way more things. And me being more of an introvert and, and being shy and always wanting to please everybody, when I get a no, I often will psych myself out and think I failed. But that's just a no right now. And it, does, it, it means I can get to the next yeses sooner. So that, that's just what I wanted to finish off because a lot of you are probably wanting to reach out to that podcast that you want to reach out to, but maybe for whatever reason you're a little shy or just are afraid. Don't be afraid because that is like, imagine your audience and the people who you're trying to help like they're drowning in the ocean and you have the life ring, right? You got to like, who cares how you throw it out there? Just throw it out there. Are you going to say, hey, I'd throw this out there, but I've never thrown it out before. So I don't want, I don't want to get it wrong. No. Or, hey, what if I throw it out there and other people see me and it's, it's like weird. No, who cares? Like your audience is drowning. They need you to step up and it means you need to throw it out there. And sometimes you're going to throw it out there and miss. Hey, you reel back in as quick as you can, throw it out there again. But to quote my buddy, John Lee Dumas, you got to be a disaster before you become the master. So I hope that That's helps. So good. That's so good, man. Pat, thank you so much for being here, man. I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you. This is super fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcasting Made Simple. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please share a screenshot or picture of yourself listening to it on social media. Be sure to tag us so we can follow you and also reshare it. Additionally, if you know someone who would benefit from listening to this as well, please send it their way. For show notes and resources from this episode, please visit podpros.com slash 210. Thank you again for listening and I'm looking forward to bringing you another Masterclass episode next week.